Gentlemen, how are you? Good. I'm having a great time. I'm just fucking peachy keen. So walking around here like fucking Stevie. I had a couple Wonder. things I want to talk to you guys about this week. <laughs> are you? Have you lost your eyesight? <laughs> What's going on? Are you bumping into things? Well, after, the eyes, <laughs> the eyes, eyes for reading that fucking book about the fucking blue light. I'm not supposed to fucking pay attention to. <laughs> and I record this podcast in the dark, so I have you know the the proper ambiance. And when I walk around, I got I got to turn the fucking flashlight on. So I don't fucking. F- you sound like you should be drinking wine, ambiance. Maybe I should, because I'm I'm fucking yeah. petrified to fall down. Everybody hear it again. <laughs> oh, that's entertainment. Oh, that's fucking great. <laughs> Especially when you sell it. <laughs> so, should we talk about wrestling? I had a great topic that uh, I want to talk about with you guys and uh, wanted to get your takes on this. It's kind of a hotbed conversation uh, amongst the wrestling fan community. Okay. Okay. So, I've had some conversations with listeners. Christopher Martin? They've wondered and they've asked me that. Christopher Martin being one of them, we've had this conversation. I don't think Stephen oh. and I have had this conversation. Yeah, missed, our, missed opportunity. Stephen and I have only had one conversation. Got to make the most of it. Well, eh. Depends on what side of the microphone you're on. Now, here's the deal. Actually, that, does, actually, that doesn't really make sense. That doesn't really make sense because if you're talking, you both have a microphone. And technically, you're both on the side of the microphone. And you both have the same opportunity. So depending on what side of the microphone you're on, really doesn't make sense in a conversation. If you were just unless if, it's in stereo and it appears on a left or right speaker. Now, if you were filibustering and just going on a soliloquy, then I could see that. But because you're having a conversation Ooh. back and forth, the actual side of the microphone is technically irrelevant. That's the word of the podcast: soliloquy. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Enter into a diatribe of a soliloquy. Oh, please, allow me to retort. There's... (laughs) (laughs) What was our wrestling topic? So the wrestling topic is... What feuds do you guys think are the best... Maybe not necessarily of all time, because that's kind of hard to put in the context, you know, going way back when, George Hackenschmidt and whatnot. But what are, in your opinion, some of the best feuds either that you were witness to in a company or you watched either as a fan? What were some of them that you guys really got into? Dusty Horseman, Von Eric Freebirds, Hogan Savage. What else? Steamboat and Savage. Yep. Funk and Ric Flair. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lawler Dundee. Eddie Gilbert and Lawler. And Dundee is your wife's Yep. <laughs> Bastion Booger and the Goon. That Mike Shaw can, once you open it up, you can never quite close it. Well, the reason why I ask that question is because a lot of people have their own opinions on Earthquake the best feuds and of Jake all the time Snake. in wrestling. I don't remember that one. Oh, when Quake, when, when, when Quake squashed remember? Damien? I don't remember that either. Oh, same one. Okay, <laughs> same one. <laughs> same feud. Do you know how they? How about that Andre off? and Jake when Andre had the fucking heart attack? Not
have named some really good feuds of all time um your first introduction as a fan oh yeah that was a good one that was a good one jerry when you first started wrestling what promotion were you watching awa awa so they uh and who did you you know who had a good feud was uh um well Blackwell and Crusher had a good feud, and then you had the Midnight Rockers against uh, oh Doug Summers, Doug Summers yes. and and Playboy Buddy Rose. They had a great feud. Sherry is the manager. Yeah. How about Jake the Milkman Milliman? Oh, it was great when he tagged with uh, Jesse the Body Ventura because Jesse got to pick a mystery opponent, and he picked Jake, and the crowd went nuts. Does anybody else feel like it was a shame that Jesse didn't do any work in the WWF? Sure he did. He had a great run there as commentator. Well, no, not necessarily as commentator, but I mean as an in-ring he performer. Did a little bit. Do you think that he realized his time was he up? He got blood clots. No, I think Well, I think his I think his best work was as a commentator. He wasn't the greatest wrestler. No. But he cut good promos, and he was very entertaining when he spoke. He had a medical issue. It wasn't like he just quit. Right. I think he said blood clots, I think. Don't quote me on that. But you you, you can quote me on this. So I was I looking... Out more <laughs> <than Jacob Robert. laughs> I'm not a president, Nick. <laughs> so, amongst some of them that people uh, sent me a message on when I was talking to them about the most impactful feuds. You guys had mentioned before. Did you guys say the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight oh, Express? Oh, yeah, that was, they were great. That one was an excellent one. That was really, really good. Uh, Let me think about another one. You know, one that doesn't get mentioned a whole lot, but I think really had a lot to do was was Mick and uh, The Undertaker. I thought that was a really good one. Yeah, that was good, too. Steve Austin and The Rock. Oh, yeah. Steve Austin and The Rock. (laughs) Hulk Hogan and Arbiter Drive. more specifically, <laughs> no, but Austin and Vince. Oh, yeah, yeah geez. That was a good That feud. was excellent. Where would you rank Raven and Sandman when it comes to feuds? Because, Fantastic. I mean, obviously, ECW was very <laughs> was very niche. Did you guys, did you guys like that one? I like the one? Dreamer Raven one better. Some of the other ones that were mentioned was uh, Taz and Sabu. <laughs> Fuck Taz. Yeah. Why not? So if you had to, t- if you had to name your your favorite of all time, going first with you, Jerry. I mean, and it's kind of hard to, to name just one, but if you had to say which one do you think was really, really told very well. I don't even think that even grammatically is correct, but which one was told really well in your opinion? I don't, you know, I just, I'm not going to over psychoanalyze it or anything, but my favorite was probably Dusty and the Horseman. Nice. Because I just loved. That one was really I just good. loved the way they did it outside the box where they're not just on a mic and whatever, where, you know, like I said, many times where they jumped them in the parking lot at the TV studio and stuff that made it more uh, it just made it more interesting and more exciting Mikey I'd have to go Hogan and Savage I would have to agree with the whole build that started like right after Wrestlemania 4 in 88 
and all the slow build and the subtle, the subtle hints, you know, and the little subtle nuances of Randy getting jealous of Hogan, you know, all the way up to the, you know, Savage squishing Liz on the main event and Hogan carrying her to the back, leaving Randy in the ring by himself. Oh, it was just, you know, and then Brutus Beefcake fucking up the whole goddamn thing. <laughs> So, so when it comes to when it comes to a good feud, do you know? I mean, obviously, being trainers and in business for a long time, when two guys are put together, are you told ahead of time how long this this whole thing is going to last? Because we hear phrases like "program." And I don't want to act like one of those guys who knows all these phrases, but is that what it's referred to as a program between two guys? It's a different words. You can call it an angle. You can call it a program. You, you know, there's yeah. different phrases that people use. If it, if it, you can call it a story. If there's a story behind it, then it's more like a program. So okay. So let's say, for example, you know, you're going to be working with Jerry, Tommy Dreamer. Okay, Jerry. <laughs> So you two are going to be working together. Are you told ahead of time? Are you guys told ahead of time uh, how long this whole thing is going to last? Are you told ahead of time that what the story is is already pre-written out, is already already laid out for you? Or is it a situation where they start something and they just kind of base on how the audience receives it or how they respond to it, whether or not to continue with it? That's a good question, because I've never actually been told how long an angle's going to be carried out. How about you, Mikey? Uh, I've given, like, a time frame. Like, my whole program with, the, program with the Sandman, I know it was going all the way through till almost the end of the year, at 95, from when we started it. So I knew it was going that far. I didn't know what, what was planned or anything, but I knew, you know, we were kind of getting to that point. Well, I, I guess that's the kind of the point that I'm going here. So it's not something where two people are, are sat down by an agent or whomever is in charge and says, you guys are working together. Let me tell you what's going on. It's going to last from this month to this month, and this is what's going to happen successionally each week. It's not that detailed. Am I assuming you're saying that? Well, I was never in a, in a high enough spot that you'd get that. And I'm sure okay. some of the guys, like if you know – Okay, like if they know what like WrestleMania is going to be next year, you right. know, once they get a little bit closer, they'll tell the guys, okay, this is where we're going, you know. So they might tell them, man, if you're high on up enough and it's important enough, they might have a, a long term plan. But for, for me, it was always, you know, well, let let, especially with Paul E. It's like, well, let's see where it goes. You know, it might be a one off. It might be a, you know, it might click. It might be planned for months and it sucks. <laughs> They go, yeah, no, this is not good. Not a good combo. We need to rethink that. But I've never been, you know, I'm sure there's been people that have been told. Like the whole Hogan Savage thing. I know they had that planned out for the whole year. You know, once they started it, they knew where they were going to go. Well, and I, I guess that's the point I'm trying to get at is here. It just seems like from what we've learned about the WWE through various podcasts and people who've worked behind the scenes – it seems like they have things laid out, or at least at one point in time, they had things very well laid out. And it was just like, you know, Vince had his book, and he would flip to a certain page, and he could tell you exactly what was going to happen. Right. That's not necessarily the way it goes everywhere. That's well, the impression like I'm that getting. Well, it's not there now, or even well, a few correct. years ago, it, it, it Right. It, it's not the way that that's happening now, but at one point in time, because there was a story about Kevin Nash getting frustrated about his position within the company, and Vince sat him down and pulled out his book and flipped a couple pages and said, well, this is going to happen here, and this is going to lead us up to here. And it put the talent at ease because they kind of had a better idea of where they were going instead of just wondering. What year was and that? And that's got to be a uh, well, it was when he was Diesel, so I'm going to guess oh, maybe yeah, 95. Oh, so back then. Okay, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm I'm just asking the question, if back in the days of ECW, and it doesn't sound like it was, and you, you even said, Mikey, it depends on if you're high up enough on the card. So are you basically saying 
maybe the top three or four guys in the company would have these, you know, big novel type of storylines. And then everybody else was just, we're going to take it week by week and let the guys go out there and sell it. And if it works, we go with it. If it doesn't, we kill it. I think Paul always had an idea where he was going. I don't think he ever necessarily always knew the details. But he would let the guys have a lot of input, too, on what you wanted to do. And I think Polly was very flexible, too, as far as, like you said, if the guys had ideas. And also, I think he was very flexible with how is the crowd reacting to it. Yeah. So I think he was very open into all of a sudden, all right, we got to take a left turn here and go in this direction. Yeah. Plus, you got to remember back in the day, they were doing TV for like four or five weeks at a time. You know what I mean? So once you had your stuff in the, you recorded it, once you had it in the can, I mean, that was pretty much for the most part, that was going to be it. Now, with, they get the ratings and everything like the next day, you know, they, they could change direction all the time. So if they have something planned and, you know, the rating come down and it wasn't exactly what they thought, they, they can, whatever they had planned for the next day or the next week could go out the window. And, and now, I mean, they just seem to just change their mind all the time. So I think they have a general idea of what they want as an overall picture. I just think it's the details day to day that they keep changing their minds on. WWF at least, WWE. Do you feel like that's because there is, and, and not knocking anybody, but do you think it's because of whoever is coming up with these ideas, it's their lack of experience in wrestling? Meaning we've often heard that they're taking people who have been creative minds elsewhere, daytime soap operas, TV shows, movies, stuff like that, that they're not, they're not wrestling oriented, if you will, that they just don't really have a good grasp on what wrestling is. Because that's the feeling I get from a lot of these storylines that go along that they just don't have it. They don't understand the concept of what wrestling is supposed to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I think that's a small part of it because they've also had writers like other wrestlers have had writer jobs. Other people who've been in the wrestling industry have had writers jobs and from what I've heard I've talked to like I'm not going to say names but a guy I actually wrestled he got a job as a writer and he would say they'd have a great show written up and a few hours before Vince would say nope rip it all up and start all over again okay but here's my question so it's all up to Vince it's what he likes and back in the day with Vince it was him Pat Patterson and Bruce, you know, and they only had, what, two hours of TV to fill every week, two or three hours. They, they had superstars. They had, and basically wrestling challenge is basically what they had, you know, so. Didn't you? T- and wasn't, you know, the, the one hour weekend shows are just time filler. Really. Right. It was mostly squash matches. You'd have like you'd yeah. have like an angle maybe, you'd have an interview segment to to further along another angle, but they weren't pushing eight, nine, ten, eleven angles at once. I right. mean, you had your top angle with Hogan, then you might have another one with like a beefcake and somebody, maybe another one with like an Arbor and Jake the Snake Roberts, <laughs> and then maybe one a tag team. That's all you had. You had the world title belt. You had the IC belt and you had the tag belts. That was it. And you had a couple angles, you know, here you and there. You, but you, you weren't dealing with what what do they have now? Five hours of TV every week? Well, let me ask you this. Do you think it was easier when things were simpler with just having minimal championships and not as much exposure on TV? Yes. Do you feel like in some ways the money grab or the money lure from marketing, advertising, revenue has pushed them to put more content out there, which in essence has hurt the product overall. Well, yeah, because everyone forgets wrestling first and foremost is a business about making money. And Vince has turned it into a multi-billion dollar industry worldwide. So it's, it's all about the money. And that's what it's always been. It's always been a business about making money. The business has changed. The business used to be all about the live shows. That's where you made your money. 
So you'd have your squash matches on TV, and you'd have your couple angles you'd set up for your house show business. And house shows is where you made all your money. Yeah, that's where everyone had to pay to go see the superstars fight each other at the house shows. Yeah. You, could, you, couldn't, and you couldn't see Roman Reigns versus The Undertaker on TV. On TV. You, nope. you never saw Hulk Hogan wrestle. The only time I saw Hulk Hogan wrestle on TV was if it was like Memorial Day. And he wrestled Rusty Brooks one time. <laughs> or if it was like Saturday night's main event, where it was just either Hogan just getting over on somebody, you know, or, or setting up something else. Yeah. So when you, And then you, it changed and evolved to when Vince started pay-per-views. Then it wasn't even about the house shows anymore. Now it was about the pay-per-view buy rate. And you see now where the mentality of the fans has changed, because back in the 80s, when you had Hogan on TV, he'd be on TV every, what, every two, three weeks he'd be on doing like an interview or something, or he'd do an interview segment and do like an angle, you know, where, <laughs> but they'd have the angle. So you so wouldn't see you- Hogan all the time. Hogan was the champion. When you saw Hulk Hogan on TV, it was a big deal. Oh, shit. Hogan's on. Or holy shit, even more, Hulk Hogan's having a wrestling match on Saturday morning against Rusty Brooks. And I think there was another one. He wrestled Bob Orton, I think. But it, or Nacho Barrera. Him, too. Do you but it was think, a big deal. The- but now, when they have Brock Lesnar as the champion, and he's not on all the time, oh, he's fucking part-time, he's never on. Well, that's the point I was going to get to. They're using the same formula for Brock as that they used for Hogan, but in one regard, they have no problem with it, and it's almost exciting in a buildup. And then the, on the other hand of it, it's people maybe because the curtain's been pulled back so right. far that people are a little pissed off that, you know, what what's the deal here? Right, exactly. And now it's not even about pay-per-view buy rates anymore. Now it's about that quarterly hour TV rating. Yep. It's all about TV. And it's not about the pay-per-view buy rates. It's about the network no. subscribers, which you're not dependent solely on pay-per-views. You have NXT, and you have well, okay. NXT UK, and you have 205, and you have everything else. Let, let me ask you this, Mikey. You're, you're a math guy, and, and I like to get your opinion on this. So instead of having people buy $30, $40 pay-per-views, and they have what? Let's say one a month, right? right. Or this time it's two, I think. How is it from a monetary standpoint – good for them to get someone to pay $10 a month instead of buying $30 pay-per-views. I found that to be a little questionable as far as you're making more money by charging people less to have access to all of this instead of the 30 or 40 bucks a pop. Do they think in their, in their minds that we'll get more people to buy for $10 than we are to get at 30? Yeah, but you got to figure too now with that money on the network, it's all theirs. So they're not giving some to the local cable companies. They're not giving some of the cut to the uh, pay-per-view company. You know, they're getting everything. I think Bruce Pritchard told a story something about if they sold a pay-per-view for like thirty bucks, they only got like ten or twelve. Yeah, it was like tops. it was like uh, what thirty percent, right? So I guess at this point in time, they're cutting out the middleman. They're just taking what their cut cut is, right? It's interesting. It, 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 it's interesting, the, the, the money aspect of it. And there is a um, – there is another podcast, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be Mr. Podcast Plug, but there's, a, there's another podcast that's out there, and I think it's really interesting. I forget the title of it. I'll, I'll get it before we get off the air here. But it's, it's about the financial aspects of wrestling. And uh, somebody, somebody sent me a DM and said, you might want to check it out. It's a really good listen. So I'm going to go ahead and, and mention that before we before we exit. So I, I just wanted to know when it comes to an angle, because Jerry had mentioned before when you were doing a taping in the WWF that they did a whole Hogan-Orndorff feud in one taping. I didn't say that. I thought I you said that. Mikey. I may have been Mikey. Yeah, I think so. Was it Mikey? Or I, I, okay. Somebody said that they did a whole, because it was like a big block of tapings. And it well, was like yeah. all well, that's how they're doing it. They were doing, you know, four or five weeks of TV. Yeah, years ago, right. a TV taping, the majority of it was 32 squash matches. Wow. Literally, 32 squash matches. 
So if, if you got a storyline that's on TV or that is going to be airing on TV, do you also work with that person in the house shows at that point as well? Or do, at that point, does it not matter because it's not televised? Uh, it, it, it usually depended. It, you'd have to wait till it was televised, I would think, so that everyone around the loop at all the house shows wouldn't be up to date on what the angle was. So then it would make sense, more sense, that why you two are fighting each other. They'd all back time. Like, if they had a tag title change on TV, they'd have the old team continue to wear the belts out to the ring until the match aired on TV. Yes. I believe it. So if you went and in Memphis, one one of the towns I forget what it was. I think Louisville was always. I'm trying to think. One of the towns was always a week behind or something. So you always had to keep track of where the angle was when you went to that town because one of the towns or two of the towns were a week behind. So oh, it made shit. it a little more difficult. You had to really keep track of what was going on when you'd go out there, when they put the card together and what you were doing in your matches. So getting back to the whole concept of a feud and how long does it last and is it well planned out or is it week by week? I guess the, the overall answer is depends on who you're working with. It depends on who the booker is. Some companies have things more well laid out than others. Some of them go week by week just depending on how the audience is responding. If they were, if they were shitting on it, obviously it's going to get canned. Um, you said in ECW you guys had a lot more free reign. We talked about this before on, on prior, prior episodes, but you guys could pretty much go out there and do what you wanted as long as whatever the outcome was that Paul wanted. Am I, am I correct in that? Yeah. So he says, here's the ending. Do whatever you want. Just make sure you get to that point. Well, he might tell you certain things in the match to insert to further the storyline. You know, okay. there are certain things you should throw in the match that will enhance the storyline and make it make more sense instead of just, all right, here's how you're going to win this one and here's how you're going to lose that one. You still got to input certain uh, more intricate details in the match to make it make sense. So we heard that Savage was the type of guy who would take one of those yellow legal pads out, and I think Steamboat was the guy who was telling the story. He would say, you know, all right, go to page two, uh, spot number 75, okay? That I'm saying this is, did either one of you guys work with anybody who was that meticulous and that detail-oriented where they wrote everything down and then they wanted you to be able to memorize it or is Randy one of those guys who's just kind of a one-off situation? No, DDP was like that too. Yeah, he was. Well, in the end, or I shouldn't even say just the end, but in the latter years, like if they were having me in these four, three, four, five, six-man train wrecks and you got that many guys and you want to have a good build going home, I would pull out a notepad and I'd ask everyone, all right, so what's your big guns you want to pull out in this? And I'd write them all down. And then I would try them and put them in a specific order as to how devastating and how spectacular they were. Because if you do something with 15 minutes left in the match, you do something so huge and spectacular, and after that you do something that's not even close, the people aren't going to bite on it. So, you know, there's there was a lot of times where I would pull out a notepad because, you know, if you had really had a lot of guys involved it, and you wanted it to make sense and build right, you had to. And that's how the business changed, too, and evolved as people were, the fans were educated to see more spectacular and intricate spots. So you can't just go out there and call that stuff on well, the fly. Let me so, okay, Jerry, t taking that example, so there was a booker who would put four or five of you guys together, right? Would, would you, yeah. as the veteran, then kind of be the pseudo leader within a group of five guys and say, all right, guys, you know, how do you want to do this? Meaning you're kind of the, the captain of the group. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I'd ask everyone's input. I wouldn't just, you know, start, I wouldn't just take over and whatever. I would just ask everyone's ideas because everyone has cool ideas. 
but then I would try and insert the stuff and fit the pieces of the puzzle together where it would make sense. And that was something that was creatively left up to you guys as long as you got to where you needed to go, right? Mikey, let me ask you this question. So obviously, you know, once you became a veteran, did you find other guys that you were working with or other people who might be in other angles come up to you and go, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Do you think that makes sense? Or do you think, what what else should I do? What would you do? Have you ever had people come up to you like that? Yep. And a lot lot of times, if if it was only like something for the night, just for the the match itself, then it's easy. But I'd say, well, is this something that, that's building to something else or are you guys just having one match and this is done because if if you're going to build to something else with a, a comeback match or something you know you should probably do something like this but like even like when Jerry he said he would like uh, you know be like the ringleader when you get a bunch of guys um, I would let I would let the guys come up with everything and I said okay you guys figure it out and then we'll talk about it and then if it was something I said well I would probably do something like this, but I would just make the young kids do all the work. And then I would just tweak and fix the suggestions because I guess I'm lazy. I don't want to have to think. <laughs> that's where I went wrong. Yeah. So, Jeez. Yeah. So, no, that's well, what I do now. I let them, I let them paint their picture. And, yep. and if something sticks out like a sore thumb, I'll go, hey, how about this? And here's why. Yep. So that's the way I let, and then I'll, yeah. th- that's, and I always tell them too. I'll say, if you disagree with me, tell me, and then tell me why, because you may be right. You know, I may not be looking at the right angle. Yeah. See, see I, because I, in my opinion, that's how they're going to learn. They have to come up with this shit, okay. and we have to um, offer our suggestions and input based on our experience. For us to say, okay, well, we'll do this, and then we'll do this, and then we'll do this. We're doing all the work, and they're just remembering what we're saying. They might not actually get why we're doing it. So that's why if I let, we let them do the work and then we come in and look at it as an overall picture and then offer our suggestions, um, you know, it helps the kids learn a bit. Right. At least, at least well, for me, that's, I do that. that's the way I would learn because when I, if, if people were just telling me what to do, it, it was like, okay, I'm just going to memorize this and this is what I'm doing. I'm not, not exactly know why we're doing it. Well, there's no growth at that point in time because at that point you're just you're just a rider in the car. You're not the guy driving. So, well, when I was still wrestling, I would input a little more, but that's because I wanted to have a good match. But I still wouldn't handcuff everyone and say no. We're we're doing it this way. I'd still I want all their ideas. Know what I mean? But now as an agent, I'm like. You know, like you, Mike, like you were saying, now I'll let them, I'll let them paint their picture and put it together. And if something sticks out like a sore thumb, I'll explain it to them and, you know, and then have them try and I'll give them ideas, but I'll have them try and come up with something better. Like you said, they got to learn too. So with the, yes, for for me, I see there's, see now Jerry has pressure on him because now he's doing TV. But for me, when I do with, with kids, you know. I'll, I'll offer my advice, and then if they kick back and say, "Well," I said, and I'll say, "Okay, go ahead. You do that, and then we'll talk about it after the match." And a lot of times they'll come back going, "Yeah, we probably should have done that." I go, "Yeah, see, I, I don't say things just to to be a dick and be like, I want you to do it my way. It, it just comes from experience. But sometimes they have to learn that way, you know. And on, and on independent, right. you know, like I said, Jerry's doing TV now, so you really can't be experimenting on TV, <laughs> you know. But as far as like the indies. Let them go out there. Fuck it. Let them, let them right. think they're right and let them go out there. And sometimes they are right. I said, well, you know what? That actually fucking worked. You know? Exactly. But, but sometimes they come back going, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you were way right. No, and in, if I'm at an indie and someone wants me to watch your match, I don't even help them put their matches together unless they ask me ahead of time, uh, what do you think of this? But otherwise... If they want me to watch a match, I won't even input nothing, and I'll watch it. And, uh, you know, like you said, you got to let them fall to learn. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times I learned through uh, failing miserably. <laughs> so. yep. Hey, hey yep. Jerry, who was, the, uh, who was the booker or who was the one working with you and uh, Sean Waltman when you guys had your, your matches? Where, early, early in, in your, our career? Yeah, exactly. We didn't have it. No one worked with us. We just put it all together. 
And we pretty much working all those indie shows. They were mostly working for Eddie Sharkey. What Eddie did was, like I said before, you'd show up, he'd have the lineup on the wall, who's going over, and that was it. So Sean and I, we pretty much wrote our own whole angle, which was fun. I mean, because we just, and we tried to figure out, you know, ways of actually having the heel every time leave with his heat, which is very important. You can't kill the heel's heat. You always got to leave the heel with his heat. So are you the are you the type of person who likes hands off and you let let the talent figure it out, or do you like someone to at least guide them to some degree? Well, like Mikey said, you know, TV you no. can't really fart around. TV's a whole different ball game. Now, like if you're out on an indie or something, let them go out there and you know, you got to let them learn through trial and error. Otherwise, they won't know what will work and what won't work, and they won't learn on their own. Did it just sound like someone was having a fucking yes, ultrasound? Yes, it did. It's probably wow. my chair. Sorry. <laughs> Your chair's about to give birth? Yes. I need a new chair. It's squeaking. It, it's it's horrible. Wow. Um. So, Mike, you were, you were talking about pay-per-view numbers before. Right. Right. So, one of the highest WWE pay-per-views was 960,000 buys. Wow. Yeah. Right? So say they were... That doesn't even sound like a lot. I know. But say they're getting $15 a pop mm-hmm. for those. That's only 14.4 million. Okay? The 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 network, as of at some point last year, had 1.7 million. Mm-hmm. Right? At $10, at $10 a pop. A month. That, that's almost $17 million. Yeah. A month. A month. And that's that's steady every month. Yeah, that is. You know, that 960 was a high number. And even towards the end, I mean, their pay-per-views weren't getting anywhere near that high, the amount of buys. So I guess it does mathematically go ahead and it makes a lot of sense for them to do what they're doing. But it also takes – They got to keep that subscriber count up, which is why they got to keep putting new content on there. And they also obviously have to keep that infrastructure being able to, to funnel money into keeping that going because I'm sure it's not cheap to keep that going. I mean, just the, no, just sure the cost not. of servers, the cost of everything. It's just interesting. And they pay for that new upgrade, the, the fucking layout of the fucking thing. They should get their fucking money back. That was terrible. That is the most goofy thing I've ever seen before. It was. It's ridiculous. They sent me an email. They want me back. I still think I should get it for fucking free. I don't understand why why former performers don't get it for free. Because we could pay nine ninety nine. They can make one hundred twenty dollars a year off us. Because when you're, <laughs> I'm not going to say. I won't. Say. So all right. So so continuing with the conversation about angles in. F- hey, you want to make it? A, we're going to do an ECW twenty twenty. You, you want to come on? We'll give you a free network subscription as a payday. You know what Sam would say. Fuck Taz. <laughs> so let's throw this wrinkle in here. You know, you're you're doing a I'm not a word of a nerd. So so was uh was Warrior ever in an angle with Andre? Oh he was. Oh yeah. Was yeah. he? Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, what were those uh, promos like that Warrior would cut on Andre? And I tell you now, Andre the Giant, I will come to Madison Square Garden, pick you up to part Ultimate Warrior, Ultimate Warrior, you've heard from Andre the Giant and Bobby the Brain Heenan. They, they believe. They believe, Warrior, that they have the advantage in this intercontinental title bout. They believe that you fear the giant. Ah, fear! Fear is an aberration! Fear is the air that cowards breathe! Fear is the first taste of defeat! The warrior only breathes the air of the brave! And the warrior only 
they feast on the fruit of victory! What was Andre's retort? I turn out in the world. You go out and bring my brother burn and I will scratch it like a giant. <laughs> oh, God damn it! What the fuck is he talking about? Hmm. So, to throw a wrinkle in here, let's say, for example, Jerry, you're working with somebody. Ah, oh, damn it. Are you saying wrinkle because I'm old? <laughs> is that what you're saying, Freeland? He's talking about that hoot is hitting the windshield. Yeah, hitting the windshield. Did you see the dick on that bug? Jerry, do you see the size of the dick on that screen we're looking at? It had a wrinkle in it. <laughs> I will tell you now, Freeland, if I had a head like that, I'd have it circumcised. <laughs> <laughs> oh! And in case you're wondering, I just called you a, a dickhead. I, I I would like to also mention, for the record, I have not said any reference about anything this week. So, ooh, well played. No, any reference of no re- any, of anything no about anything? Anything? I haven't I haven't yes. said anything. Oh, you dropped the fucking spina bifida before. So, continuing on with our conversation here, we're, we're talking about wrestling angles, wrestling feuds, Mikey and Jerry's take on this. So, here's something that I think has probably happened more than on one occasion. Somebody gets injured. Oh, fuck. What do you do? Have you guys either experienced a situation where things are working, things are going great, and then all of a sudden, boom, the injury bug gets somebody. What happened, and how did you move on from there? It depends on the guy and how bad he's hurting. I can't think of... Suck it up, buttercup. Uh, oh. <laughs> who's, who's, who's <laughs> Most guys will just keep on going. Who's listening to the fucking police scanner? That's probably... I was just going to say, what the fuck is going on? I think I heard someone downstairs yelling something. Annabelle's got her friends sleeping over tonight because they don't have school tomorrow. I return on the bell. You keep it down. I turn to the podcast. <laughs> How would Undertaker tell him to keep it down? Or Warrior. How would Warrior tell him to keep it down? Keep it down! (laughs) I don't think you Uh, understand, Annabelle. I'm trying to do a podcast. You need to keep it down. You need to shut your yapper. Hey, Annabelle, let me ask you a quick question here. So you're into serial killers. Am I correct on that? <laughs> yeah. So if you have Netflix, there Count is some... Count Chocula? Re- <laughs> she doesn't know what Count Chocula is. Oh. Tony the Tiger? No. Oh. To- Tony the Tiger's not on serial anymore? Do you know who Tony the Tiger is? <laughs> no. no. I guess it's not. So anyway, it's on Netflix, serial killers. You can look it up. It's really good. There's one called Mind Mind Hunter. Oh, you should check it out. Did you see it? Oh, I didn't see it. I just saw. Oh, you should check it out. It's a good series. Mm. And tell them who your favorite is. Ah. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> yes. Well, who's the handsome one? Ted Bundy. Oh, Ted Bundy's. Did the you watch one. the Ted Bundy one yeah. on Netflix? And that was yeah. lame, wasn't it? It was what? lame. He said it was lame. I well, there was no Annabelle. You know, you you know, you freak out your dad with all these things. He can't stand the conversations about these things. Does he sleep with one? No. My mom does the same thing. Does he sleep with one eye open for real? <laughs> I should. Because Annabelle told me one time I was getting onto her about something, and she said, "Watch it. I know how to commit the perfect <laughs> murder." That was a while. Wow. <laughs> See, I told you. Wow. <laughs> Oi. Yeah. I uh Wow. That's intense. That's intense. <laughs> and Pam quizzes me once in a while, like she'll ask me, uh, what's the uh woman's favorite uh method of murder? And I'm like, I don't know what. She goes, Poison. And I'm like, Great. I don't know if I want you cooking anymore. Have either one of you guys ever seen the movie Misery? 
Yes. Oh, that's so good. Have you seen it, Mikey? Nothing like a... Listen to you. Nothing like a good cobbling. Listen to who? <laughs> Isn't that what she called it, what she oh, did to his ankles? Yes. Cobbled them? Yeah. You're like, it was good. Nothing like a good oh cobbling. Oh, God, I love Nothing it. Nothing better than the cobbling. <laughs> so... Mikey, getting back to this here. So, <laughs> is this thing on? Have you well, had I, any experiences where you you've well, been working? You know, Jerry, it's kind of hard to talk when I think Annabelle's on the phone. I have to behave myself. I, I was about to say, is she I still know. on? Oh, now Emily's up here too. Boy, I got an audience now. As, Everyone's got to be on their best behavior. Well, great. Boy, everyone shuts up now. We get dead silence. Well, that's another exciting episode of Front Row Material, everyone. <laughs> yes, this might be a sign. We'll see you here next week. For Jerry Lynn, All Mike right. Freeland. This is Mikey Wibreck, who read the extreme unauthorized ECW book for no reason. All right, there's, there, there's two high school students in the room. Is that correct? They're... Eighth graders. Eighth grade. Okay, they're I almost. I thought that was our out. So, I thought we were done. <laughs> the look on your face. <laughs> but I'm not done yet. No. Hold it, hold it. The girls are still in the room right now, correct? Yep. When a mm-hmm. teacher assigns a book, ask them this question yep. verbatim. Are All they right. told to read the book in its entirety the I'm second it's assigned? No. I'm just saying... They're told no, they to read go. a chapter at a time. Question. Yes, you're right. I Thank you. Oh, the defense rests. Anyway, I haven't Mikey, been, in, back eight, to my I original haven't been qu- in eighth grade in a long time. <laughs> when were you in a situation where you were in an angle and uh, somebody got hurt? And what did you what did you guys end up having to do moving forward? Uh. I don't think it ever happened. Bye. So you were you were fortunate you in that hi? situation where, as far as the storyline was going, everybody stayed healthy. I think so. I can't recall. Except, except when I hit him with the clutch. Yeah, but that was my own personal downfall. Well, all right. All right. It's very awkward with the girls up here now. I feel I feel No, they're I was gonna now. say I don't really they're feel like we can, oh, we okay, can cut good. loose. <laughs> I'm trying to So you can let loose with your Sabu impression. Fuck Taz. Yeah. No. I try very hard, Jerry, to behave when I have to. It sounded painful. It, let me fucking tell you. And that was the dead silence. It sounded painful. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it was a struggle. It was a struggle. <laughs> I couldn't tell. <laughs> Again, I wouldn't say anything off color. I want to be very polite. That was hilarious. Everyone's on their best behavior, but it's like dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> Not taking any chances, Jerry. I don't need Pam getting mad at me. <laughs> or me. Well, I think you'd be a little bit more lenient than Pam would. <laughs> if something slipped. Well, I would, yeah. That's what I mean. I'm not scared of you, Jerry. Uh- I'm scared of. Oh, I know. I'm scared of. Pan- I'm scared of the unknown. Me too, <laughs> Jerry. I know well, what you can do. <laughs> I know, and I'm I'm, I'm afraid of Pam. Let, let Let me both ask you this question. Jerry and I had a conversation this week on the phone about it. What was your thoughts on the Pam impersonator angle that was going on on Twitter, Mikey? I hate it. I I don't I was, like I, I don't I don't like the impersonation thing, whether it's funny haha or not. That's that makes me crazy. Like, and honestly, I'm like, all right, that's a little freaking creepy. I was not. I was, but I'm, I was confused. I'm, I'm very guarded with my personal life. With who can see what? Like, if there was somebody out there acting as angel, I would have. I would have flipped shit. It would have bugged the shit out of me. But I'm, but I'm really guarded like that. So I'm just that's that's just my personality. Nothing wrong with that. But it was. I didn't even one, know about it till Pam showed me. Well, Pam said something to me on Twitter, the original Pam, and or she said something to all of us actually. Pam, Pam. Yes. 
the original Pam. So not, not, not the fake Pam. Yes. Re- real Pam. No. Real Pam tweeted okay. all of okay. us at the show. And then I... RP. Yes. RP. <laughs> RP. I responded back to RP. Okay? And that was it. And then fake Pam, FP, I guess if that's where we're going here, uh, then responded... She said something like she loved the show. She loved all three of us, right? And then fake Pam comes up, and then she says, I, I don't love anybody. And I'm thinking. No, I thought that was real Pam said, I don't love you guys. That's See, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't remember who was fake and who was real. Hold on a second. But when, but, but when the FP said, I love all you guys, I said, that's not Pam. Exactly. <laughs> and Pam said, I don't love any of these guys. The real Pam said, I didn't love it. I thought the. And that's no. You were backwards. See, you don't even see. You don't even know what's the real one, what's the fake one. Hold no, on. No, Pam told me. She said, "Are you looking yeah. it up?" <clears throat> anyway, no. Pam retorted and said, "I don't love any of these guys." And that's Pam busting our balls because she that's does like, that. Pam, Pam would never say she loves us publicly. No, <laughs> no, not even me. Yeah. <laughs> so. But uh, Ooh, Pam took it in you're stride. You're right. I fucking See? retweeted yes. the wrong Pam. Way to go. You yeah. know what? I'm, I'm <laughs> deleting this shit now. This is gone. But but Pam took it in stride. She knew it was, you know, when she saw it, she got a kick out of it. But, uh, you know, it's all cool as long as he can delete it, you know. You you know it's cool. You did that. You did the joke. Fine. Now delete it. So I don't know if he has or not, but I hope he does. For for someone like me, I got easily confused on that. How did huh. he get that picture? Was that on her uh, on her? Jeez. Yeah. That I think that's what Mikey said before yeah. about you. You love the fans, but I mean sometimes it it, it can be when you're a well known person, it can get a little dicey. Am, am I right in that? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, there, there's that fine line between, you know, people who, and we're not, we're not coming down hard on this person at all. It was a funny ha ha. The, oh, no, the person no. who did it, I mean, yeah. and everyone involved didn't mind. But I'm just saying, in general, no. in general, even Pam laughed about right. it. She thought it was funny. But in I general, would you, would you? Well, I got a little, I got a little upset. I don't, I don't like people making <laughs> ha ha's for people that I know. I'm very defensive, so. Do you guys ever have any weird run-ins with anybody? Like maybe outside of maybe in a area that seems to be the place where fans like stake out. I had a fan come. I had a fan. I had a fan come up to me at the mall who wanted to get into a fight with me, calling me a chicken shit because I didn't kick Steve Austin's ass for stealing my move. The mall security guard, Paul Blart, had to come over. Paul Blart. <laughs> and, and fucking, and fucking settle this guy down. That's awesome. Did he show up yes, on his segue? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. So I so I messaged Steve. I said, Steve, this this guy give it to me. He goes, Man, people are fucked up. So But see, I'm very like again, I'm very antisocial. I'm very like guarded and very private. So when people get too chummy or they get ridiculous, like this guy at the airport, I get very I get very angry and I let that ruin it for everybody else. Right. Because that's what I think about. I think about this idiot at the mall and I don't think about, you know, the hundreds of thousands of other people I've met that are really cool. I think if this fucking creepazoid, this fucking freak is going to try to find me. <clears throat> And kick my ass because I didn't beat up Steve Austin. And he's I got mental problems. He said he would kick your ass. Yeah, he wanted he wanted to fight me. So okay, so give me the demographics here. How old was the guy? How big was he? No, he's probably like my age. Okay. You know, he was decent sized guy. Not huge. Was he coming in hot? He was a little. At first, I thought like it was a ha ha. Right, like he's just trying to be funny. Like, okay, okay, buddy. And I kind of like laughed it off a little bit, but then he like, he got like really angry that I was like laughing about it. And then he started to get a little fucking aggressive. 
And I'm like, oh, am I going to have to fucking beat the fuck out of this guy in the fucking mall? And then I'm thinking to myself, what if he beats me up? <laughs> God, oh, my God. I I... So I'm thinking of all the cheap shots I could take to take this guy out. How long ago was this? Yeah. This was a couple years ago. But, yeah, really uh, weird. It seems like it. It seems like people can be. I mean, you appreciate people for for liking you, but eh. yeah. So that, then I go. Then I go. Why did I even fucking leave the house? Well, you can't imprison yourself. Oh, I imprison myself. I'm a I'm a prisoner of my own mind. I got mental problems. What? I think everyone well, now does. I want to imprison myself. I want to turn my backyard into a an oasis. So every time I step out the back door, it's like I'm on vacation. You gonna get that hot? You, well, you should. You gonna that. get that hot tub you were talking about? When was I talking about that? You told me a while ago. You said you <laughs> would, would like to have a hot tub. I would love to. It would help me. Tremendously. So, hypothetically speaking, Jerry, let's say Megan and I were just down in Nashville hanging out, right? And I call you up and I say, hey, yep. you want to get together? You're like, hey, come on over. Would you get in a hot tub with me? Just sit there and shoot the shit. As long as there's no jar of pickles nearby. That doesn't sound inappropriate, does it? Two guys just chilling out, having a drink in yes. a hot tub? No, yes. it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Yes. Yes. Wait. Yes. Well, Mikey, if you were... A guest at my house, well, you'd get in the hot tub with me, wouldn't yes, you? Yes, you would. Seriously, all kidding aside, you'd get in the fu- no, I no, no, why? No, 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 why would you not get in the hot tub and just have a beer and just sit there and bullshit? I don't know. It just, I don't know. It doesn't doesn't sound appealing. Oh, wait. Let me reiterate this. I think we would not be well, who, naked. Who the hell gets naked no. in the hot tub? <laughs> well, why did I'm you have to go saying. there? Like seriously, get naked. Well, I'm, I'm, well I'm, I'm thinking any 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 thought he did of making it sound appealing, he just took away. <laughs> Jerry has to be the one who brings up nudity. Well, I was just reassuring him. No, and and like uh, so, just a swimsuit on, you wouldn't hop in a hot tub. Nope. How about if I had a pool? Would you hop in the pool? Nope. Oh, you just don't like water. No. Would you I'm take just... your shirt off? No. Would you hop in with your shirt on? No. The only time okay. I go in the pool or anything is if the kids are in and I have to watch them. And even then, okay. I, even then I don't do it. So let's say you and Angel and the kids come visit and we have a pool. Yep. And everyone's in the pool. Will you jump in? And I'll be drinking a beer on the on the deck. Okay. Well, at least you'll be out socializing, right? If you have shade. Holy fuck. Well, yeah. The, hate, the deck's half oh covered. I hate the fucking sun, oh too. Oh, my God. The deck's half covered with a ceiling fan, so you're all good. Oh, yeah. See? Yeah. I am very, like, I am very... Just as long as you're out there being sociable. Yeah, with you guys, yeah. But, like, if... Yeah. Yeah. With you guys, yeah. I, I, would, I would be social on the thing, but... I don't like the sun. I don't like being outside. I don't like the fucking water. The beach is like the fucking worst thing ever. So if, if you're going on a family vacation and Angel and the kids want to go somewhere, let's say Disney World. Are you cool with yeah. that? Pirates of the Caribbean all day, every day. Yeah, I love Disney World. Okay. So large crowds. I thought you said that bothers you. It's Disney. It's like a... It's like a so a you're a big Disney, thing. Mark. Okay. Yeah. So will you do, does Disney have a water park in there? I don't know. I haven't been there in like 20 years. They do. Would yeah, you go to the do. water park with the kids? Yeah, for the kids Would I you go. get wet? For the kids, but yeah. you don't like in general getting wet? No. I don't like fucking rides either because well, I get the ride head. aspect. I, I get the ride aspect. Okay, like we have we have Dorney Park here, right? And they ha- they have it's like an amusement park. They have like a, they have Snoopy Land, which is like a, a kiddie section. Then they have like the adult section with all the big roller coasters and stuff. And then they have the water park. Well, the kids, lo- my kids are water rats. They fucking love the water. 
he can't get them out. But they want to go on like the water slide, right? Well, Angel didn't want to go. So that means I had to go and climb the fucking stairs, wait in line for fucking 45 minutes with this fucking, this wet fucking slide, like this wet, wet, like foam thing. I had to fucking lay on. I'm thinking, how many fucking people have laid on this fucking thing today? And I got to hold on to the fucking thing for fucking 45 minutes in this line. Then as we're going down, you have to go down the fucking big slide. And I'm thinking, how many kids are fucking pissed to fucking pants on this fucking ride today? Then they want to go down like the tube water slide. And then I can't see where I'm going. Then by the time we get down to the bottom and the water comes up, it's all in my face, up my nose. I'm fucking miserable. It's it's just uh, I'm re- people think I'm a pain in the ass. I'm really fucking very low maintenance. You are. What? It's just people who try and make you go do all the stuff. Probably think you're a pain in the butt because you won't. It's just just let you be you. Thank you. Well, really? where would you go? Leave me alone. And now I can't do the rides anymore either. Well, basically. Mainly because of my neck surgery. I can't do roller coasters. And last summer we went to Nashville Shores and I did the did one water slide where all of us sat in a giant tube. And I got motion sickness. Yep. And I never did. And I think it's because when you get older, your inner ear tubes start to harden. So you lose your sense of balance easier. So between all... Because years ago, I... I, I wrote everything, did everything. Yeah. And now I can't. You know, a lot of, and now it's mainly because of my neck. But even if my neck wasn't shot, it's like my equilibrium isn't what it used to be. We d- and I love the water. I used to go water skiing a lot in high school, had friends who had boats. And then even after high school, I had a really good friend of mine up there that he had a boat. And every weekend we'd be on the lake water skiing. But. This can't do that stuff anymore. They had this one roller coaster at Dorney Park. Last year we went. It's called like the Hydra. It's one of the, uh-huh. where, where, you, where they strap it and you hang. Yep. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Yeah, no. I was fucking like nauseous and like white as a ghost for like hours. Massive headache. Ru- totally ruined my day. And I'm going, I used to do these all the time. Yeah. Especially near the end of the evening when the parks are getting ready to close and there's no line. You get off, you run around, get right back yeah. on again. This sucks, motherfucker. I'm going to do the fucking nothing. <laughs> nothing. What ride are you going on? I'm going on the bench. <laughs> I'm going on the... <laughs> eating, a fucking, eating a fucking snow cone. So what was your, your the best roller coaster you ever rode? Um... Hmm... That's a tough one. Mine was at thing Magic Mountain in California. It was called the X. It was amazing. And now I think they call it X2 because you go through it twice or something like that. But that was the best roller coaster I've ever ridden in my life. It was like you're on a jet fighter. And the way you were seated, it was like you're dangling off into nowhere, hanging out into empty space it was it was the greatest ride I ever rode I don't remember I can't think of the best one I know there's one at uh, Bush Gardens in Virginia where it takes you up and it kind of stops and mm-hmm. you're kind of leaning over and you just stop and you're just like hanging there waiting for the fucking thing to go off did you did you see like a you just, you just go up there? It sounded like he kind of went into that for a second. <laughs> oh, fuck me. <laughs> no, I'm flashback. No, I'm flashback. Oh, gosh. Well, that's all I got. That's all I got. But I hope you guys enjoyed a little insight into angles, how they work, and some of the stories and experiences that Mikey and Jerry had in their careers. If you guys got more questions, by all means, shoot them a DM. Shoot me a DM. I'd be more than happy to send questions their way. Don't have any fan questions this week. I didn't post anything. I thought we would kind of lay low this week. I thought you guys might like that. But if you go, you're welcome. But if you guys are enjoying what we're doing, 
by all means, do us a huge favor. Go on over to iTunes, and you can find us. We're at Front Row Material. Leave us a message. Leave us a review. Let us know what you like about the show. Maybe a funny moment that you liked about the show, or maybe a favorite episode. Leave us a five-star rating. We do appreciate that. That helps us climb the uh, iTunes charts and makes us more visible so more people can discover the world of Mikey Whipwreck and Jerry Lynn. I think we've reached the ten thousands. We 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 maybe we do. I mean, we reach a lot of people. We touch a lot of people. I mean, the, I mean, I mean, oh. I mean, the rank. <laughs> You're terrible. Just just an example here. Once again, you guys do us an iTunes review. I will read it here. So we have C Daily, nineteen eighty five. She wrote this one. Uh, I listen to quite a few podcasts, but when a new FRM drops, it goes right to the front of the line. So we want to thank you so much, C Daily 1985. Not sure if that's your Twitter handle or that's just like a. Do people with iTunes just make up a a screen name or something like that to go ahead and vote? Or how? how what is the screen name on that supposedly? Like, you know what I'm saying? Is that a, is that a handle or what? Okay. Well, whoever C. Daly is, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. And if you guys would like to buy a shirt, Mikey Whipwreck shirt, Jerry Lynn shirt, they would appreciate that. Go over to Front Row Material over at ProWrestlingTees.com. You can go get one, or you can head to FRMPod.com. You can find all the information there to get other merchandise. Guys, that's going to do it for this week. We appreciate that. Podcast drops every single Wednesday morning. You can find it at mlwradio.com or anywhere you find your podcast. Fuck Taz. Fuck Taz. Okay, I'm not saying fuck Taz because uh, I don't know who he is. I never met him before, so I don't know him personally. For Jerry Lynn, Mikey Whipwreck, I am Mike Freeland. We will catch you next week if we're not canceled. Stops.